In the context of the particular passages in Acts, reasoning is defined as to teach publicly or to present intelligent arguments. Paul did just that by way of the scriptures. He did not go to them with feelings or personal experiences. He did not tell them to abandon critical thinking or to simply feel what God wanted to do. He taught the people publicly, and he presented intelligent arguments by way of the Word of God. He reasoned with them biblically as well as spiritually. He presented the truth to them concerning Jesus Christ. We are reminded in these accounts that reasoning does not have a negative connotation, nor is it a sign of being less spiritual. In fact, to reason in accordance with Scripture is to demonstrate spiritual maturity. You just heard an excerpt from my latest blog post featured on Love Scribe. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Scribe. So I recently wrote this blog post and was thinking about some of the things I had experienced in times past. And as I was reading through Acts, this is what caused me to write this blog post was I was actually in the middle of reading Acts 17. And just as a side note, I'm actually doing a program where you read the Bible in a year. This program ties together different passages of scripture. It's five days a week that you do this program and it's free. You can find it online. It's called five day Bible and you can go on there and you can print it out. Um, so it's really neat. So if you ever get a chance to do uh, reading the Bible in a year, I would encourage you to find something like that that you can do. So I was reading through a particular day for my Bible reading. And I was reading through Acts. I just got done with Acts and I'm in Romans right now, which I love Romans. I was on Acts 17 and I was, while I was reading, it hit me all of a sudden that I'm not seeing a lot of miracles, signs and wonders. I was reading through Acts 17 and I was reading through Acts 18 and onward, which if you notice in Acts, starting with, I believe, Acts 13, there's really starting to be an emphasis on the ministry of the Apostle Paul and the first half, it seems that it was focusing of Peter laying the groundwork with the Jewish people, whereas in the last half of Acts, you start to see that Paul is laying the groundwork for his ministry to the Gentiles. Of course, he went and ministered to the Jewish people, but he met a lot of opposition, a lot of jealousy with that, a lot of pushback, persecution, and there are a few times where he says he dusts his feet off and he says, I'm done with you all. I'm going to the Gentiles to minister to them, and as we've read it in epistles, in the New Testament, we see that Paul reveals the, quote, great mystery that has been revealed even in the times past in the Old Testament that the gospel was to be ministered not to the Jewish people. Eternal life was not promised not to the Jewish people that would believe in Christ, but it was also to be for the Gentiles. And so that applies to me as a Gentile that the gospel is for me as well. That's the great mystery. It's not anything mystical or Gnostic that Paul talked about, but rather the great mystery that he talks about is this the the promise of eternal life for those that would believe that we're outside the Jewish nation as far as the, the natural Jewish bloodline that we're all tied back to Abraham because of faith in Christ. And Romans talks about that and talks about, you know, the circumcision of the heart versus uncircumcision and that it's not just a fleshly thing. So that's another time. That's another day for something like that. But what we're talking about today is Paul reasoning. That was the thing that I started to notice. 
And as someone who came out of a movement that was really focused on you've got to have manifestations, miracles, signs, and wonders. If you don't have these things, then there's no power. And we know that when we read scripture, yes, God God does things that are beyond our comprehension. With what we see in Romans chapter 1, that Paul says that he is not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and then the Gentile or the Greek. So we can see here, uh, just from this example, in Acts 17, and understanding Scripture a little bit better, that the when we when we look at Acts in general, when we look at the the Acts of the Apostles, the Book of Acts is a historical account of what happened in laying the foundation for the early church. That's what we see going on, and so when we read it in context to see what's what's being said, we start to see descriptive passages rather than simply prescriptive, like we see a lot of prescriptive passages in the epistles telling us how to conduct ourselves as Christians, whereas we're seeing a lot of descriptive passages in Acts, I would say, that are telling us about the history of the church and what occurred. So in Acts 17, we begin to see this. So in Acts 17, verses 1 through 3, this is what I started reading that piqued my interest, and I started flipping through a few of the chapters that were following Acts 17 and began to notice something. Acts 17 verses 1 through 3 says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ." So even just reading those first few verses, it got me thinking. And I started thinking about in times past when I had been taught, you know, don't don't think necessarily you need to feel. And I'm not saying that was all the time, but there were people that actually had made comments, you know, whether it's talking about some of the spiritual gifts or such. I heard people say at one time or another, you know, you're thinking too much, not to me, or they would say to other people, or you would, they would say to someone, you're overanalyzing this, or you're thinking too much, and you're shutting down the Holy Spirit. Uh, when you have people that, for instance, when you probably have heard this, I know I heard this and said this to people, uh, when people would come up and wanting the, uh, the gift of speaking in tongues, they would you would have people that would tell those that wanted it. Now, don't think with your mind. Just shut that down and listen to what I'm doing and listen to the sounds that are coming out of my mouth and begin to just let it bubble up out of you and release whatever sound comes out. Don't think about it. Your mind is going to say it's crazy. So there's almost this, whether it's meant to be that way or not, there's this automatic shutdown of using critical thinking in an example like that. And that's not good because we need to be using our minds. And I'll I'll talk about this in just a minute. That's an example I'm going to use. And I know that there's people that are going to disagree with me on that. I would just say we need to look at scripture for the model of the spiritual gifts. If you're one that believes that the, the, all the spiritual gifts are still in effect, then I would encourage you to look at how do the spiritual gifts come, first of all, because they're not activated. They're not imparted. You can't wish for them or pray for them hard enough. The scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts as he wills, according to 1 Corinthians 12. But we are to use our minds. When we have someone telling us, don't think about it, just feel it or just do it and, you know, worry about thinking about it later or, you know, you're you're overanalyzing it, you're shutting down the Holy Spirit by thinking about it, that's anti-biblical. 
because the scripture tells us time and time again that we are to use our minds. We are to do critical thinking. We are how you can't discern without critical thinking. You can't discern without using your mind. So some of the things that are said, they're, they're probably said with good intentions or sincerity. But again, as we've talked about before, sincerity does not equal truth. And so we've got to be ministering the truth according to scripture. And it got me thinking about this. And so in Acts 17, we see that Paul is going through, he's going through um, Amphipolis, Apollonia. He goes into Thessalonica and he begins to go into the synagogue. And it says this was his custom. As Paul went into these places, this was his custom. This is what he did. On three Sabbaths, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. And to reason, when I look this up in one of the references that I have, is a complete word study dictionary. And I have the Old Testament and New Testament, and it expounds on words and it kind of breaks them down a little bit. It's not like a BDAG or anything that is the gold standard for looking up, uh, as far as a lexicon, looking up the Greek words but and the Hebrew words and such. But it helps to expound a little bit more on it than just a Strong's would. And so when you look up reasoning according to what is used in this context, it means to teach publicly or to present intelligent arguments. This was what Paul was doing. Now, he wasn't going in and doing all these signs and wonders in front of them. Did Were there things that happened through, you know, Paul's aprons, through pieces of his aprons that he worked with, that that he raised um, Eutychus, I believe, when he fell out of the window, that there were different things that he did that, that were supernatural? Yes, they were. But he reasoned from the scriptures. And we can also recall the fact, too, that Paul was a former Pharisee, that he was well-versed in the scripture. He talks about this even in uh, Galatians, I believe, when he's relaying some of the things that he considered rubbish about himself. Um, He was an Israelite above uh, all Israelites, that he was trained by Gamaliel, who was one of the um, highest Pharisees that was was recognized, that was... um, that was respected in their culture. And so Paul knew the scriptures and then he had the miraculous encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus that would transform his life forever, that left him blind for three days that I believe represents his spiritual blindness that he had. And Ananias comes and ministers to him by the leading of God. And he, the scales come off of him and Paul receives the gospel. He, he ministers, he begins to minister. The first thing he does is he goes out and begins to minister the gospel. We do see miraculous things happen, but when you look at Acts in context, the miraculous things were not happening as frequently as some people want to make them out that they were occurring. They were occurring through the apostles, and it was always testifying that their ministry was authentic and it was from Christ, and it was testifying of Christ, just like the gospel was in that matter. Now, the gospel is the power in itself unto salvation. And we see that Paul is going through these cities and these towns, and he is reasoning with them from the scriptures. He reasoned with them. And this, just as a side note too, sometimes we don't think about this, but he wasn't using a New Testament to minister. I know that sounds silly saying that, but he was not ministering from the New Testament. You know, sometimes even us Westerners, we tend to forget that. We think, oh, they were just ministering from the New Testament. 
And he wasn't ministering from that. He was ministering from the Old Testament. I was reading that in Romans 1 the other day, and it just it stood out to me so much. It was so beautiful to see that, that Paul is talking in Romans 1 in the very beginning when he opens up his letter to the Romans, that he says of the old the prophets in the Old Testament, they they told of the gospel through the scripture, through what they, the prophecy that they released. And it was about Christ, about how there would be the lineage of David and that there would be a Messiah that would come through the line of David. So we see that the gospel is found in the Old Testament. This is what they used to minister the gospel. This is what the Bereans used in Acts 17. They searched the scriptures to see if they were so. Well, what scriptures did they search? It was the Old Testament. This is what they searched to make sure that what Paul was saying was, in fact, the truth. And Paul, by the way, he spoke highly of the Bereans. He did not say, just feel what I'm telling you. You know, just don't think about it. Just feel what I'm telling you. You know, this is God, man. Just feel it. Just feel him. You know, they didn't, he didn't say that. He spoke highly of them because they went back to the scripture and they used critical thinking and they reasoned among themselves within the scriptures to make sure that what he was telling them was the truth. So critical thinking is very important as a believer in Christ. If someone ever tells you that you need to shut off your mind and not think about what they're saying for you to do, you need to run as far away as possible. <laughs> because anybody that's telling you not to use your mind, not to use critical thinking, they're, you know, if you think you're going to shut down the Holy Spirit, that is anti-scriptural. That is anti-biblical. That is not even what what God tells us to do. We are to use our minds. In order for us to read the Bible, we have to use our minds. We don't just close our eyes and go, oh, God, I just feel your word today. Let me just feel your word today and what it's saying. Let me just be filled with the power and I'll just sense it and I'll just think about it later. We don't do that. We read the Bible. And again, that's that's really exaggerated, but it puts things in perspective. When you begin to hear things of people telling you, just shut down your mind For one thing, that's almost like a Gnostic type way of doing things because it's telling someone the physical is evil, that it's it's no good anyway, it's useless. Now, whether some people are saying that or not is an entirely different thing. The fact of the matter is when someone is saying to you, don't think, just feel, huge red flag should go up to you. Huge red flag. You should be learning the word of God every single time you come into a corporate gathering. You should be learning what it says, how it applies as a believer in Christ. You should be hearing the gospel. You should be reminded of why you believe in Christ. And you should be able to relay the gospel to someone. And it's not your testimony, by the way. You should be able to reason like Paul did from the scriptures and have a love for the word of God that transcends feelings or emotions, that transcends anything that you can have a goosebump over or anything else, but you should want to reason from the scriptures and to say, this is pointing to Christ. You see this here and have a love for the word of God, have a genuine love for the word of God, because that is God speaking to us. We don't have to question for one second, is God speaking through his word here? When we read the scriptures in the context and see what's going on, We can trust that that's the word of God because 2 Timothy 3 tells us that it is God breathed. The Holy Spirit, according to 2 Peter 1, 19 and 20, that the Holy Spirit carried men along and he helped them to write the scripture, that it was divinely inspired. It was not written by men. It was written under the inspiration of the spirit of God. We can trust it. So we're seeing here that as Paul is going through, he is reasoning from the scriptures and it was Paul's custom 
And we can see this being done in Acts 17 while Paul is in Athens as he reasons with those in the synagogue as well as those in the marketplace. That's in uh, Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 21. He also reasons with the Jews and the Greeks in Corinth. That's in Acts 18, verse 4. And when he's in Ephesus, he entered the synagogue to reason with the Jewish people then. That's in Acts 18, verse 19. It hit me when I was reading this that there can be such an emphasis in certain movements, certain circles, that signs and wonders are critical. If we don't have signs and wonders then, and we don't have manifestations, then God is not really in it. If you're not feeling anything, if you're not crying, if you're not having some sort of an emotional response, then God is not in it. Now, I'm not downplaying emotions for one second because there are times that you can become overwhelmed when you think about what what Christ has done for you, what he saved you from. God gave us emotions and they are to be used in a godly and and right way. We can abuse emotions, we can misuse them, and we can also uh, use them to gauge the barometer of truth, which is not a good thing to do. So emotions are a good thing in a sense that we get to think about when we think about what God has done for us and we we have that emotion come over us that we cry or we we're we're rejoicing we're laughing we um we understand the joy of the lord when we're struggling in times of trial and tribulation it's okay to break down and surrender that to the lord even in your weakest moments it's okay to celebrate you know we we rejoice with those who rejoice we weep with those who weep as the scripture tells us to do emotions are not a bad thing but emotions become a bad thing, so to speak, when they are the center of of truth. When we base how we feel in a moment or what's going on and what's taking place on our emotions. Because our emotions can also be deceptive. And we have to make sure that we're not using our emotions as the barometer of truth and saying, well, I don't feel anything in this moment, so it must not be God. I can read, you and I can read the scriptures all day long, and you may not feel a goosebump or anything, but that doesn't change the fact that it's truth contained in those pages. It's the truth. I mean, you don't have to feel anything to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not told to feel and believe. We're told to repent and believe. So repentance also is a <laughs> is acknowledging I am a sinner. I deserve the wrath of God apart from Christ. I'm a, There's nothing good in me apart from Christ. My heart is hard. My heart was hardened, and I'm realizing now it's being softened to realize I need a savior. I, I began to think about some of this and some of the things that I had once believed and come out of, and the the heavy focus on manifestations and signs and wonders. There was more of an emphasis on that, it seemed, than a focus on using reasoning. And if reasoning was even attempted to be used at times, there could be a tendency to shut it down. They're being critical, religious, what have you. Again, not always, but at times there was that occurrence that happened of, well, that's, you know, that's overthinking it. If, so I don't want to diminish miraculous things that God does. And above all, the most miraculous thing that God does is the spiritual regeneration in the life of a dead sinner. I, I mean, that is the most miraculous thing that we can see when we see someone that's coming from death to life and they're no longer the person they once were, but because of Christ. We see 
in scripture that there were miracle signs and wonders that God did to testify of himself and to point people back to himself. But at the same time, we can see here that there is a great value in using reason with scripture. And Paul demonstrates that to us. And it's very eloquent how he do, he does this, especially as we've talked about in Romans 1.16, when he talks about he, that he's not ashamed of the gospel, that it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. As I was reading in the beginning from this blog post, Paul used reasoning from the scriptures. And he did not focus on just feel what I'm saying or take your personal experiences and Whatever your personal experience has been, that's the truth. Again, that is a dangerous thing to do. When we begin to say, well, you can't tell me my truth. I've experienced this. This really happened. It may indeed have happened, but you need to be judging that and testing that by the word of God. Paul taught the people publicly, and he presented intelligent arguments by way of the word of God. This is not only a uh, biblical reasoning that he did with them, but it's spiritually because he was presenting the truth to them concerning Jesus Christ. This is a spiritual matter of them realizing that. And again, emotions are not a bad thing. Even when we see in Acts, in a couple of instances, we see in Acts 2, for example, when Peter is ministering the first uh, message of the gospel to those that hear at the day of Pentecost, and he begins to minister the gospel to them and call them to repentance, their response was one that had emotion in it. They realized that they were that they were sinners and that they were in need of the saving faith of Jesus Christ. So there's again nothing wrong with emotion. It's just when we place the emphasis on the wrong syllable, so to speak. When we place the emphasis on emotion over reasoning, we try to discard that and it can lead to dangerous thinking, to unbiblical thinking, and then we don't Whenever someone tries to come with to us and tries to reason from the scripture, when we're not willing to listen, when we're when we say that we're born again believers, but we're not willing to listen um, in accordance with scripture and to listen to reasoning, that's dangerous in a sense that it's it's causing a problem in us spiritually. There, we're not really willing. We're not willing to adhere to a biblical standard, and we cannot base everything on our feelings, on our experiences, and our emotions. I may have said this to you before, but our experiences do not interpret scripture. I've heard other ministers say that, and it is there's truth in that, that our experiences do not interpret scripture. Our experiences are to be judged by scripture. We are not to base what we feel and our personal experiences as the foundation of truth as believers in Christ. We simply can't do that. And we wouldn't tell someone who, for example, goes to a psychic that tells you, well, they knew everything about me. They knew things that I didn't know, or they were able to communicate with one of my dead relatives. You know, this was real to me. That indeed may have been real. It does not mean it was a from God and that it was the truth of the matter. There was something going on there that was obviously not of God. We would not tell a person that went to a psychic that experienced those things. Hey, just because you experience those things, that means that's the truth. Then you should stand on that and you should have that as your foundation. Is that what we would tell someone like that? Or would we tell them that may seem real to you and true, but the fact of the matter is, is that there are things that indeed there are demonic things that operate in this world. There are things that try to counterfeit what God does. And that is not the truth. We have to be 
willing to stand on the truth of the word of God and to reason. Again, it goes back to using our reasoning according to scripture. And I don't know if you've heard someone say this. I don't know if you you may have heard someone say to you regarding spiritual things. Maybe you haven't. I mean, maybe someone's listening to this and this may be completely foreign to you and that's okay. But there are some that are going to listen to this and they're going to say, oh yeah, I've heard someone say that to me before in my life at some point in a, in a movement that focused on the signs and wonders and such or, you know, the uh, certain gifts of the spirit or, you know, feeling something in a service or during worship and and such, and you may have heard someone say regarding spiritual things not to analyze or to think about certain matters, but instead to feel with your heart or even experience things by the Spirit. Again, I've heard people say this. I've I heard someone, I've said these things to people in times past and had to repent of that, and I've heard other people say them. So I'm not being overly critical and saying or judging someone in, in the sense of saying, well, how dare they do that? Because I did that and I had to repent of those things. But I participated in that and heard other people do that, of saying to someone, don't use your mind. Just don't think about it. Just shut that off and just feel. Just let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. Which, if you think that you're going to stop God, the holy, almighty God, from doing what he wants to do, you as a created being, you as a lump of clay on the potter's wheel, that you're going to stop God from doing what he wants to do, then you probably need to go back to scripture and read (laughs) what it says because we don't stop God and we don't command God and we don't hinder God from doing things. God's will is going to be fulfilled. It'll be fulfilled because he's God. His will will be fulfilled. We are not going to hinder that in any way, shape, or fashion. We are not going to stop God from doing what he wants to do. Sometimes we make a God of our own imagination We make a God of our own thinking or we misappropriate scripture when it says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. We're thinking, well, I can stop the Holy Spirit from doing things in my life or doing what he wants to do when we really need to be reading that in context of what's around that passage of scripture and what the context of it is. Critical thinking and reasoning are vital in the lives of believers. The word does not instruct us to go by our feelings and it does not instruct us to shut down reasoning with our minds. In fact, we are told in Scripture to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. That's in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. I just would encourage you one last time. Don't go by what you feel. Don't be led by your heart. The Word of God tells us that our hearts are deceitful and wicked, and who can understand them? Apart from Christ, if we were to just rely, if we just try to rely on what our heart says, and then we try to ascribe God to that, and do it through a, a filter, if you will, that's, that's not godly, then we're going to ascribe things to God that he never authored in our hearts. And just because you have a desire in your heart does not mean that God put it there. You could have a desire in your heart, and when you take it to Scripture, for example, and you try to see what the Scripture have to say about this in accordance with what my heart is telling me right now, you may find that the scripture does not agree with what your heart says. I would just say to you that scripture overrules your heart. Your heart may genuinely feel a certain thing, but if the scripture distinctly and explicitly lays it out and says, no, you can't do that, then guess what wins? Guess what, what is the priority and supreme in that moment? It's the word of God, not your heart. And you need to crucify that and put it under and ask God to help you and ask God to help you to be led by his spirit and to obey what his word says. So reasoning is integral in our lives as believers in Christ. 
And the gospel of Jesus Christ is not about presenting an encounter or an experience with God. Uh, that there can be a heavy focus on, again, feeling, encounter, experience, and we base that as the gospel. It's not about presenting an encounter or an experience with God, but it is about proclaiming the truth of the forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life only through grace, through faith in Christ alone. And that in and of itself is an experience. But when you're basing the experience on how you feel in that moment, and that's what you're gauging it by, is if I if I feel something, then this is legitimate. If, it, if I don't feel anything, then it's nothing. Again, we can get off into the weeds in that, and we can get off in a place where that's, that's not truth. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not about presenting an encounter or an experience with God. We can think that the gospel of Jesus Christ means someone has to feel something in that moment, or they have to have some supernatural encounter with God. And that's not what that is at all. The gospel is not based on an encounter or an experience or feeling. But it is about proclaiming the truth of the forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life only by grace through faith in Christ alone. In closing, this is what I want to encourage you, having said a lot of things that I just told you in the past probably 30 minutes. If I can encourage you in anything, it would be this. Do not abandon reasoning. As a believer in Christ, you are called to reason through the scriptures. You are called to use your mind. You are called to critical thinking. You are called to discernment. Again, discernment is not about feeling. Discernment is about critical thinking. Discernment is, it involves critical thinking. Do not abandon reasoning. And if someone tells you you are to shut down your mind and to not think about something, then you need to think about what the, you need to think. You need to think about what they're saying to you. Don't, and it doesn't matter who they are. It, does, it doesn't matter. What matters is, is that we are abiding by the truth of the word of God. We are called to reason. When in Isaiah, it says, come, let us reason. And it goes on to talk about basically it's laying out the gospel um, after that, that your sins that are it's crimson um, will be washed white as snow. I'm paraphrasing. But it even says in Isaiah to come, let us reason. Paul reasoned from the scriptures. Peter reasoned with people when he when he ministered the gospel to them. Were there signs and wonders in there? Yes, there were. But when you look in the context of scripture, those are few and far between. They're not as prevalent as what a lot of people want to say they are. The fact of the matter is, is that the gospel is being ministered. And the gospel is not based on emotion. The gospel is not based on feeling. The gospel is based on the truth of the word of God that testifies of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Do not abandon reasoning. Learn from Paul's example to reason among others from the scriptures. Be blessed today. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.